This podcast was recorded on Darug and Gadigal lands. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. It's the record that got a generation of teenage boys really into Latin music. Who was the charismatic trumpeter behind it all? Find out next on One Dollar Vinyl. Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. This is the podcast where us two millennial cheapskates discover the forgotten music of the past, one cheap record at a time. My name is Tess, and sitting across the table from me for the first time in a long time is my co-host, Kat. Hello. Hooray. Yay. In person is so fun. So nice to be in the same room together. Indeed. Usually it's by Zoom since, you know, COVID times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we have been hanging out, haven't we? We had a little uh, sleepover. Mm-hmm. That's right. After after seeing Moulin Rouge, the musical. We did. We went and saw some theatre in town. Yeah. What did you think of it? Um, I really liked the first number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, in my opinion, it went downhill from there. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> it, I mean- never, it never went quite as good as the first number for me. But you have no prior Moulin Rouge knowledge or experience. Zero. Like yeah. except for the, you know, Christina Aguilera, Pink, Lil' Kim song that song. was in the charts There was for someone a while. else in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nelly Furtado? No. 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 Alia? No. Was it Alicia Keys? No. It was okay, some, I need it was, to find this out now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, Maya. Maya. I've forgotten about her. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, I whereas, you know, you had no experience with Moulin Rouge, I wore my VHS copy of it thin <laughs> from the amount of repeat viewings that I did back in the day. It definitely um, shaped a pretty big part of my teenage identity, that movie. Okay, so for you, was it anywhere on par with the movie? I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. I thought it was, like, really good production, good um, sets, and energy and choreography um, and, you know, multiple uses of pyrotechnics and confetti. Which that was really actually very fun. And they really, like, transformed the whole theatre into yeah, the sets the were incredible. There was even a sign out the front, which was quite yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was it was good. My second favourite part besides the first number, uh, which was, you know, Lady Marmalade. At the very end of the first act, there were two people up on the Cirque du Soleil-style um, oh, like trapeze. The trape- sort of the, the yeah. cloth trapeze. Mm-hmm. And like one of the guys was spinning so fast yeah, yeah. that I just went, I literally couldn't help myself, <laughs> but I went, whoa! <laughs> that was the best. Yeah, that was cool. That and the tango number, which is always my favorite the tango, tango to um, uh, Roxanne by. Sure. The police? Is that the police? Yeah, yeah. that is the yeah. police, yeah. Well, I loved it. I thought it was spectacular in every sense of the word, and I had a great time. But, you know, musical theatre, not for everyone. Not everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, where where have your musical tastes brought you this week, Kat, for our record? Well, we are going to be reviewing Whipped Cream and Other Delights by Herb Alpert's Tijuana Brass. Very interesting, intriguing. I This is one that you said that you'd actually been searching for for I a had. while. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because it's got a very distinctive cover, which we'll <laughs> sure talk about does. in a moment. <laughs> and um, where did you end up finding it? Um, I got it in a Vinnie's in Berrie. Berry, beautiful berry on the south coast of New South Wales. That's right. I got donuts fresh from the little um, from the donut shop straight after. Berry donut van. Yeah. 
They're good donuts, but to be honest with you, like I, I've never quite understood the hype. Like they're donuts. <laughs> But fresh donuts are the best. Yeah, it's did I <laughs> did I tell you about the new shop that's um in the Shell Harbour Marina? No, it's <laughs> it sells really really fresh donuts. Like you order it and you see it being yeah, fried. Yeah. Okay, and also soft serve ice cream. Mm-hmm. And their signature is like soft serve ice cream on top of the donut. Yeah, and guess what the shop is called? What creamy holes? Jesus, no word of a lie. I'm creamy calling the holes. police. <laughs> So if you shop that. <laughs> if you want to purchase like their donut with soft serve on top, you have to say, "Yeah, I'll have a signature creamy hole." Jesus, you have to say it out loud <laughs> to get it, and it's so delicious, <laughs> so inappropriate. And like the median age of um, Shoal Harbour residents, like if I'm not but incorrect, like- is <laughs> like quite elderly. <laughs> Yeah, but all children, all all like young families. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, mum, can we go out for creamy holes again? (laughs) Mum, I've been so good. Can I get a creamy hole? (laughs) Anyway, speaking of creamy holes. (laughs) Speaking of creamy holes. (laughs) Whipped cream and other delights. It cost me $2.50. Um and oh, I right, think that's it's, reasonable. I, I think, think it's yeah. like totally worth it because in this Vinnie's, yeah, they clearly had no idea what they were doing. I've been to the um, uh, the berry, berry Vinnie's, yeah, and I actually found everything to be quite expensive. Yes, yeah, everything else was heaps more expensive. So this was the cheapest record, like of the bunch. Yeah, they had like Bette Midler's greatest hits for fifteen or twenty bucks. Oh, like they had heaps of crap. Yeah. that was legitimately overpriced by you know 500 percent that's so funny and with those shops too like it it depends on who has volunteered at that particular yeah. intake because exactly. some people yeah are quite savvy and they're like you know looking at ebay prices yeah yeah totally um, which is like uh, let's not get into yeah, how yeah, ridiculous it's like it's a charity is. shop it's yeah. supposed to cater to people on low incomes anyway exactly. let's not get into that <laughs> yeah anyway 250 um for something i've been searching for i was quite pleased with. yeah good good find good get yeah what is it actually worth? Uh, like it ranges from about $8 on Discogs to up to $45 when it's in good nick. Yeah. This one, in the condition that I got it, is probably worth like eight, $8 to $10. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Even more happy with. Yeah, nice. And can we listen to it online if we so choose? Yep. Like it's everywhere. Yeah, good. Let's take a look at this infamous cover, Cat. Infamous is right. Record cover. Yeah. So. It's called whipped cream and other delights, and essentially what you've got on the cover is like a hot woman who is seemingly naked underneath a pile of whipped cream. She's got like a dollop on her head, and she's also got some on her finger, which she's licking uh, very seductively mm-hmm. while staring at the camera. And also, she's holding a single rose. Yes, mm. <laughs> it's very. Romantic and pornographic at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like it's... <laughs> it's... Yeah. So she's totally covered and it kind of... It almost looks like a whipped cream wedding dress to me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is sort of artistic irony because it's so slutty and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet she That's kind right. of looks innocent and virginal. <laughs> yeah. And it's like only barely covering her nipple. Like yes. her breast. Yeah. Yes. Like you can very clearly see like the, the shape of it. Yeah. It's very it's a very sexy image. Very. Um I I can't help but get sort of like um 
sensory issues from it because I know that they wouldn't have used whipped cream for that. In fact, yes. I think they used shaving foam. Correct. Yeah. And seeing that all over her and then that she's licking it, it just yeah. like gives me the like. like <laughs> so so the, <laughs> the, one, the bit on her finger that she's licking, it is actual cream. It is actually yeah. whipped cream. Okay. Yeah, I, I specifically um, <laughs> looked it up because I did exactly the same thing. The model in the photo, can you tell us a bit about her? Yeah, she her, her name is Dolores Erickson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's an American model. Uh, she, at the time of this photo, was 29 years old and three months pregnant. Yeah, so, like, to to hear her description of it, to get this shot, um, it's a lot less sexy than it seems. Like, she's she's actually just sitting down on a stool and she's covered in a blanket. Yeah, And yeah. then, you yeah, know, the shaving cream yeah. goes on top. God, I can yeah. tell you, when I was three months pregnant, if I was covered in that much... Um, you know, strong smelling shaving foam. <laughs> it wouldn't have been <laughs> very pretty because that wedding dress would have been covered in spew. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, the, a, there's a the fine line between a seductive bedroom eyes to camera and a um, about to vom <laughs> face. <laughs> the nauseated look. <laughs> and it's a very um, highly parodied album cover as yeah, well. Yeah, it's an icon. I know Soul Asylum did a cover, mm-hmm. which is like a guy covered in cream and holding a dead fish. <laughs> um, there's also a group called the Frivolous Five who made sour cream and other delights. <laughs> Gross. Um, and there's a few others as well. Yeah, I saw a quote from Alpert himself saying that he thought maybe the cover was um, pushing it a little too far. Okay. Uh, he says, I thought the censors would be down on it, uh, but in 2006 it looks pretty darn tame. Yeah, true. That was a quote from 2006. Yeah, Um, and it was, like, I'd say pretty instrumental in um, or, you know, certainly gave them a helping hand in their success because... Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you know, obviously it helped sell. Like, it wasn't an uncommon strategy to have a group of instrumentalists use a sexy lady on their Mm. album cover. Um, In fact, Dolores herself has a list of um, albums that she was also on the cover of. Yeah, she's also on the front of um, Nat King Cole albums, the Kingston Trio, Jonah Jones, Cy Coleman, the Sandpipers, Bill Irwin, Roger Williams, Pancho Purcell and his Bambuco Players. (laughs) (laughs) My (laughs) favourite. But she did heaps of modelling. Yeah, um, she was a a model for Ford Modelling Agency. She worked with Max Factor and she did a little bit of TV work as well, acting on TV. She She appeared in... Love in a Goldfish Bowl and in the movie Jerry Mo- uh, Jerry Lewis movie The Ladies Man and she was on TV shows Surfside 6 and 77 Sunset Strip and Father Knows Best which are a whole bunch of things I've never heard of. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but she currently She's... runs an art gallery. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Or she went on to do it. I don't know if she still does it. Yeah. She's still alive. Hmm. She's very pretty. She is. She's gorgeous. Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning that um, I did see a lot of, uh, you know, anecdotal and YouTube comments and whatnot of men remembering this record cover very fondly as oh, yeah. being a significant part of their sexual awakening and <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, t- taking it out of their parents' record collection and going, yeah, I'm just going to go and like listen to some Latin music for a while. <laughs> I'm Goodbye. really into the music. Don't open the door. <laughs> All right, well, we've had a good look at the cover. Um, should we perhaps 
take a little break and when we come back we will have a listen to this record let's do it what a chip <laughs> gnarly show man want to trash the stage okay there was a little spanish flea a record star he thought he'd be he heard of singers like beatles the chipmunks he's seen on tv Welcome back to Wonder the Vinyl. You just heard a clip from The Simpsons, which is the first place that I became aware of Herb Alpert's music. They used his song, The Spanish Flea, as a bit of a trope throughout the yes. um, early seasons. There was It was used quite a few times to great comic effects. Uh-huh. And it actually wasn't until I started listening to this album and doing research that I realised that Herb Alpert did that song, Spanish Flea. It was always just like something in my head since, since I was a kid. Yeah. It's, just, I, it's one of those thought. like yeah. constant things that just exist. It's like I put it in the same category as the chicken dance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I do have a question for you. Do you think that the lyrics that Homer sings, there was a little Spanish flea. Oh, yeah. Are those real? I'm not sure. I actually don't know um, where, where that comes from. Okay. Because they work perfectly. Yeah. Kat, why don't you tell us a bit about Herb Alpert? Uh, so Herb Alpert is an American trumpeter. He's not Latin, despite being the front man of the Tijuana Brass. Yeah, and I think that's the first thing that um, most people assume about him is that yeah. he's either from Mexico or he's Latino. And he's yeah. neither. Because he's kind <laughs> of Mexican-ish looking. He's a handsome man. Like in he's, his yeah. youth, he was yeah. very handsome. Yeah. He is, in fact, a Jewish man. His parents are from Ukraine and Romania. He came from... <laughs> Get going, Tess. <laughs> a family of musicians. After graduating from high school in 1953, he then joined the United States Army and he would often perform at military cer- ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine him actually playing Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's a pretty good reveille in the morning. Um, da, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd get up out of it. It's time to get up and shoot people. <laughs> Um, and he started out as a songwriter. He actually co-wrote that song, Wonderful World, by Sam Cooke. Sam Cook. Cook. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Don't know much about history. Yeah. Yeah, that was him. He co-founded A&M Records with a guy called Jerry Moss. Yes. And throughout its operations, it had acts as, you know, Albert himself, um, Joe Cocker, Captain and Tennille, Sting, Supertramp, Brian Adams. Burt Bacharach, yeah. Liza Minnelli, The Carpenters, Quincy Jones, God It Keeps Going, Janet Jackson, Cat Stevens, Peter Frampton, yeah. Carol King, Sticks, Huge names. The Police, Soundgarden, yeah. Sheryl Crow. I think I'll stop there. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the end of the list. Um, Good place but to it stop. Was, yeah. But like, that's hectic. And so apparently, I say apparently, I read on Wikipedia, A&M Records was purchased by Polygram in 1989 for $500 million. Yeah, yeah, got a bit of coin for that when he decided to sell it off. Did you look at like the equivalent in today's money? No, I don't think I could even comprehend it. <laughs> 1.1 billion with a B. Yeah, right. Yeah. I he's, do know that he's just like he's loaded. loving he's so life right rich. now. He lives in Hawaii, he makes art. Yeah, he's an artist now. Yeah. Did you look at any of his sculptures? Yeah, I did. They're good. Yeah. He's been like super super successful he is to this day the only musician to hit number one on the u.s billboard hot 100 as both a vocalist 
and also an instrumentalist. Yeah, that's right. He had a hit with um, singing the Burt Bacharach song, This Guy's In Love With You. Yeah, we're jumping around a bit, but um, where, like, where did this Latino thing come from, the, the Latin music thing? Where did that, uh, how did that happen well, for he- a, a New York Jewish York. boy. Yeah, he <laughs> visited Mexico. He uh-huh. like went to Tijuana. Uh-huh. And while he was there, he heard a mariachi band uh, while he was at a bullfight, which is, you know, I guess, what obviously yeah. what you do down there. <laughs> um, and he was just inspired to find a way to express musically what he felt. <laughs> well, so he's a culture vulture. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he just appropriated yeah. Mexican culture. Yeah. yeah, and there was not a member of his band that was Latin either. He, yeah. um, they were. I think I, at one point I read is like we refer to ourselves as like two bagels, a hot dog, and a and and a pizza or something. But they're like a group of Americans, yeah. Italians, no burritos, and Jewish, yeah, men. no yeah. burritos, no tacos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very sensitive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that shit wouldn't fly these days. Um, but, yeah, he, he brought um, this Latin music back. I I assume Latin music was happening in parts of America because there are, you know, a lot of Hispanic people living in America. There's certainly mm. you got, like, um, Tejano music happening in Texas and stuff like that. But um, maybe this was the first that uh, a lot of, middle-class Americans had heard of it because it just went gangbusters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this was the band's fourth full album Mm -hmm. and it sold over 6 million copies in the United States alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He got a big leg up from people using his music in television shows. It was used as the theme for the dating the dating game game yeah 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 so it was like oh um, yeah, so, yeah yeah songs from this record and also others i think yeah. spanish flea as well yeah um were used uh like whenever people came out in the dating game yes yeah yeah which like to me is like <laughs> it sort of makes it comical like oh, i don't yeah, know absolutely. i hear, hear this music is inherently comical yeah and so it's like yeah like here's our you know hopeful lonely heart who's going to come out and try and find love (laughs) maybe we better start listening to it and (laughs) well yeah okay so the other the other thing that he um became quite famous for was his song that was used in a commercial for tea berry gum yeah yeah so there was this tea berry shuffle and essentially in the ad people eat the gum and then start doing a little dance should we watch yeah let's do that Clark's T-Berry Gum presents the T-Berry Shuffle. <laughs> so you got like a businessman just walking down the street and then just doing a little jig. And then we've got a couple walking upstairs. They're all doing this same little um, choreographed step routine. Yeah. And I think for such an old ad... I would describe it as having a TikTok strategy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> They're trying to turn turn something into, like turn nothing into something and just have people just stick uh, this very distinctive little step, Yeah. Uh, you know, into into their lives with, with gum. Um, I think it was successful. People would just yeah, do it, it was, right? Yeah, it was a very popular ad and obviously the song, you know, was one of those things where people are like, that's very jaunty and catchy music and I yeah. want to know where it came from. I want that record. Yeah, so this this ad came after the first record. His first big hit was 
called The Lonely Bull. That was the one he comes back from Tijuana and um, makes his first mariachi-style song. Um, he actually overdubbed it with crowd noises um, yeah. and applauses um, and he overdubbed his own trumpet for a fuller sound, which was yes. um, pretty, like, innovative as well. Like, he's sort of doing this himself. He figured out how to use um, all his, you know, recording, like, producing equipment and mm. he was sort of doing tricky things with it that I he think He could make a lot it of, sound fuller. Yeah, musicians mm. weren't really doing with their own music. Mm. Um, so that's that was a big hit. And then um, he you know, had a, had a hit with that. He ended up recording the rest of that album with the famous Wrecking Crew, who were the house band for Phil Spector. Um, and they have recorded hundreds of hits throughout mm. the 60s and 70s. And after that success of that album, he had repeated requests for live performances. So he ended up putting together a session band after that. Um, and that formed they formed in 1965. And they became one of the highest paid touring bands of the time. Um, and they put together like a full review that had choreography, comedy routines, apparently. Comedy routines. Yeah. Huh. So 1965 is the de- the the year of this album. Right. Yeah, mm. yeah. And this is, yeah, this is like their peak popularity, I think. Yeah. Um, he was on TV quite a lot, doing various TV specials. Mm. Um, you know, I saw just on YouTube, you can find him on the Danny Kay show, um, you know, several others. And yeah, and around this time is the T-Berry Gum ad as well. So he's having a lot of success in the mid-60s. Mm. There was also a um, Oscar award winning animated short film that used his um, The Spanish Flea and one of the other songs that I can't remember. Um, and it's called the Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass double feature. And you can find that on YouTube. That's yeah. a that's a, like a really sort of funky 60s animation um, to those two songs. I think it played before some movie in the cinema and, yeah, and it won an Oscar. So he's definitely having a cultural moment at this time. Let's dive in. Let's start listening. Yeah, let's have a listen. Yeah. So let's start with uh, the first song. It is A Taste of Honey. So we've got this very slow, lilting introduction. Yes. This trumpet I would describe as melancholy. Yeah, it's a bit mournful. Mournful, yes. Mm. We've got this flamenco. Oh, Ooh. wait a minute. And then, hang on. <laughs> oh, 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 kick drum just leads to a sick drop. <laughs> I love the fake out of the yeah, slow intro. That's right. I had never heard this song before. And yeah. so that was like a nice surprise for me. Just yeah, like yeah. I was I was expecting something like quite big high energy to begin with and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then boom. <laughs> We've got this like strong relentless beat that just continues yeah. the whole way. Uh, yeah. It's so Swinging is the like yes. the best word I can think of Freaking, to describe it. Yeah, I really love the like the baseline. We've got this yeah. like walking baseline, yeah. and it's um if you listen on headphones, it's um I feel like it's mixed pretty well. Yeah, like you, yeah, yeah. You've got the baseline there's on the a, left side. There's a good sort of play between the right and left speaker. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. then I love this another fake out. Yes. Oh, the song's over. Yeah. How sad. Uh-huh. Short but sweet, I guess. Yeah. You know, embrace life while you can. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> you got me. <laughs> it's so good. He does that all the time, actually, throughout yeah. the album. There's lots of like playing with tempo, fake yes. outs, slowdowns, uh-huh. restarting, and, um, key changes. And you know, in the absence of 
lyrics mm. for like a purely instrumental song, it's just genius. Like it's what you need to do. It's just a well arranged totally. instrumental song. Like yeah, the got... arrangement is as tight as drum. It is yes. like very um, sophisticated, I think. Yeah. And so, oh, end of the song. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> so sad. <laughs> but yeah, it really kicks it up a notch every time it comes back yeah. in. But it's, yeah, it's just, I don't know, like to me, it just feels, you know, we talk about how it's sort of comical before his music. Yes. But well, hang on, key change, yeah. modulation. Oh, yes. <laughs> it feels like cool and sophisticated. Yeah. It is cocktail party music for grown-ups. Yeah. This isn't, like, music that was written for teenagers. No, yeah. no, definitely not, yeah. despite the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about this song? Because I'd never heard of it. Yeah, lots, actually. Oh, um, do you? It's yeah. a pop standard. Yeah. It was recorded by lots of people. It was written by Bobby Scott and Rick Marlowe. Um, it was actually originally the title song for a 1958 British play. Yeah, of the same title, obviously. Yeah. Um, it was recorded by the Beatles. It's on yeah. one of their earliest albums. Um, in 1963, and did you had you heard that Beatles mm-hmm. song yeah. before? Yes, yeah. yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't like clocked it because I yeah I was listening to this on Spotify and the lyrics came up. Yeah, and I was like, what? Why yeah. the lyrics? <laughs> and then I went down the rabbit hole Written and by I Homer saw Simpson that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Barbara Streisand um, yes did a, a version on her first record as well. It was one of the sort of signature songs in her early cabaret shows, and it was yeah, yeah on her debut album. Um, and I think something that I forgot to mention is that you know this is called whipped cream and other delights. Every song is food related. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, every song. Yeah, there's like a sort of a, a pun or a play on a food related. And mm. even the cut. Co- we didn't talk about this, but on the front cover, the typesetting of the title and the the names and everything, it looks like the sort of writing you'd see in an old-fashioned ice cream parlour. Oh, that's a good way to yeah. describe it. Yeah, totally. It's that kind of very ornate lettering Yeah. Um, that looks like it's a hand-painted sort of sign. Yeah. Um, and, totally. yeah, it's very reminiscent of, like, treats. Yeah. General treats. Yeah. Musical treats for in, your ears. For your ears. And your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever you do mouth trumpet, then it is a treat for your mouth. <laughs> Um, yeah, this song won four awards, including Record of the Year at the Grammys yeah. in 1966. Yeah. Uh, it spent five weeks at number one on the Easy Listening chart and also reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 in yes. America. I love it. Yeah, Honestly, it yeah. is like I don't want to peak too early, but I do want to peak too early because this is the MVP <laughs> of this album. It is like yeah. such a good song to open the album on. Yeah. And well it's chosen. very good. Yeah. Should we listen to another? Yeah, let's go to skip number two and go straight to number three, Tangerine. See, now this starts off slow and then continues off slow. Not like not like all the fake outs in um Yeah. This is a, a very easy smooth number. Smooth. It's an old song. It was yeah. written um for the nineteen forty two movie Fleets In by Dorothy uh, who which starred Dorothy Lamour, William Holden, um and it was directed by Victor Schertzinger. 
um, who actually co-wrote this song along with Johnny Mercer, who was a very famous um, songwriter back in Johnny Mercer, World War II yes, times. Dude. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a jazz standard. One of Mercer's biographers actually explains the initial popularity of this song, saying that Latin America was the one part of the world not enfolged in World War II. And so it became a favourite topic for songs and films for Americans who wanted to momentarily forget about World War II. Oh. Yeah, it's like you escape to Mexico to relax. And I feel like, you know, in the same way that we already discussed with a taste of honey the way that there's a very deliberate like selection of slowing it down speeding it up mm-hmm. repetition of phrases and stuff i assume that you know this has been chosen to be in the third position very deliberately mm-hmm. yeah and so just to stop myself let's focus in on these very lazy these vocals are hilarious Yeah, there's a very um, light background vocal there. I do you think it's her? I think it. I think it must be. be. Yeah. Right. Because mm. the he the trumpet stops when the music starts. Yeah. And then vice versa. So we described um, before that it would feel you know that you're at a sophisticated cocktail party, which I think this still is. But also, I would 100% describe this as elevator music. Oh yes. It's like quintessentially elevator music. Absolutely. I wonder why. Um, I I kind of wish elevators still played elevator music like this. Oh, How good yeah. would it be to step into an elevator and hear Who this? Who decided to stop? Yeah, I don't know. Bring it back. Bring back elevator music. This is the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> we must bring back elevator music. Um, just quickly, just uh, for the you know $1 vinyl heads out there, we mentioned the movie that this was from um, Fleets Inn uh, in a previous episode when we talked about Slim Whitman's song I Remember You. That was also from that movie soundtrack. What? Yeah. How about another one? Yeah, let's... Go to side B. The first track on side B is Love Potion number nine, which I think is like really, really loose in its like food related. Oh, yeah, a potion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're scratching the bottom of the barrel a little bit. I mean, it is something you take orally, I suppose. Like, I guess, but. Apparently he had a bit of a tradition on his albums, Herb did, um, for putting one song on every album that was in the striptease musical tradition. Ah, and that is this one for sure. Feels like something that wouldn't have been out of place um, in Moulin Rouge. Rouge was, but I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> With all the ladies in there. Yes. Um, what do you call them? Like corsets and... Yeah. Um, Man, we saw a lot of ass cheek last night. Yes, yeah. yeah. A lot more ass cheek than I traditionally see in the theatre. <laughs> traditionally, yeah. Yeah, it was written in 1959 by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Lieber and Stoller, they were a, a very famous songwriting duo. They wrote um, a bunch of songs for Elvis. Oh, yes. Um, the most famous, they didn't write for Elvis, but the most famous songs would be Hound Dog and Jailhouse Rock. And for the coasters. Wait, what? Did you say they didn't write that for Elvis? No, Hound Dog was um, initially Big Mama Thornton recorded that. Oh, right. And then Elvis did a cover. Elvis, oh, yeah. Elvis huh. was like the biggest culture vulture of them all. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, <laughs> but they did write songs for him. Uh. Um, later on. But he wrote, yeah, um, Young Blood for the coasters and Searchin' and Yakety Yak. 
Um, they also hmm. wrote songs like On Broadway. Um, that was a collaboration with Barry Mann and Stand By Me, which was a collaboration with Cynthia Wheel. Lots of heaps of heaps of very famous songs. They were a very successful mm. songwriting duo. Yeah, and, and Love Potion Number no. 9 was originally performed by The Clovers. Yes. And then there was another version recorded by The Searchers in 1964. Yes, that's right. Another standard musical story, which was The Clovers were a black band. Um, they got to number 23 with it on the R&B chart. And then some record producer went, ooh, we can make more money off this by getting white people getting to cover it. Um, and that ended up, the Searchers version got to number three on the yeah. US Billboard charts. And then I feel like the version that I kind of think of is the another one by The Coasters, which was in 1971. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is, of course, um, a version with lyrics. Um, and this, the story is um, a guy goes to a gypsy which oh, once yeah. again yeah, like, right. you know the past was the past um and by so i'm just love. gonna stop you there yeah. this like fade out yeah is so ridiculous why why have they chosen for the first song of the second side to have a fade out when all the songs have a fade out yeah I thought, interesting i thought that i was having a problem with my headphones yeah where's I... the um the stripper's big finish yeah <laughs> <laughs> Did she just yeah, like, she just like kind of like crept slowly got into down the back the undies and then decided to sort of slowly creep off stage. Yeah, just like got her hand on the dimmer switch and just <laughs> just was like, "Well, see ya." She needs to keep them coming back the next night. That's why. Yeah. Anyway, go on about the um, the coasters uh, story. Yeah, the gypsy. Yeah, um, so a man buys a love potion uh-huh. from Madame Ruth, the gypsy. He is a love potion, and I think you buy a love potion in order to make someone fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. And the the yeah the sort of twist is is that he drinks it, and all of a sudden he's in love with everyone, oh. <laughs> and he goes around kissing everyone, and then he. Um, uh, eventually kisses a cop on the corner of the street yeah. who um, breaks his little bottle of love potion number nine. <laughs> That's the end of that story. <laughs> I wonder if there's a love potion number 10 that works as intended. Yeah. Oh, intended. Oh, I didn't even mean that. Oh. <laughs> nice um, um, did, did you know that there was a 1999, no, 1992 film called Love Potion Number no. 9. I did not. <laughs> it stars Sandra Bullock and Tate Donovan. <laughs> and like okay. the, the lyrics that you just described was the basic premise of the movie. All oh, right, interesting. Let's watch it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> let's do that. Terrible. We can do a bonus watch-along episode. <laughs> it yeah. does sound really bad. Oh, my God, let's live tweet it. <laughs> did you know that I learned this song because we had to sing it in primary school, which now <gasps> feels weird. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. That's a weird choice. We there were so many weird songs that I guess you know were just like favorites of our teachers. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, we all learned the lyrics and and sung along to that one for yep. our school choir. That is <laughs> just seven year olds. Very very weird. <laughs> okay, well I would keep listening to this record forever, but I think we have to take a break. Um, let's yeah. wrap it up, and when we come back, we can talk about our conclusions on this fabulous album. This guy's in love with you Yes, I'm in love 
welcome back to Wonder Lavano. You just heard Herb Alpert singing. Herb Alpert sings. Uh, that was the Bacharach song, This Guy's In Love With You, which, yeah, he got to number one with. And as we said before, um, he still holds the record for being the only musician um, to hold a number one for a vocal and an instrumental performance. It, it was chosen to be the soundtrack of a particular awful scene in General Hospital. Did you see that? No. There's like a rape scene. Oh, God. Yeah. And Ooh. this was the – and this guy's in love with you was the – Someone had a vendetta against her. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then it became popular because of it. Yeah. Uh, after the rape scene in General Hospital – Oh, okay. It got to number one. Oh, God. Yeah, America's really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it reminds me of um, the song Young Americans, the David Bowie song. Oh, yeah. I first heard it at the end credits of that film Dogma. Oh, yeah. Um, which is like a fucking grim, yeah. like very unsettling film. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, at the end, like, I can't, I can't remember I've pushed it from my memory, but something very bad happens and then it just, you know, at the end just like crashes in with that and it just ruined that song for me for like a really oh. long time. made me feel really unsettled every time I listened to it. You had PTSD, like yeah, legit PTSD. Yeah, it took me a, a long time to like work through that because I love that song now. But, um, mm. yeah, that, that certainly uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how um, off it. how yeah. a love song becomes super popular after a rape scene yeah, in a very popular so TV weird. show, but um it was just almost like a throwaway thing that he did for a TV special mm. and like his voice isn't really that strong. No. He's not as, as strong of a singer as he is a trumpet player. But people freaking loved it. Mm. Went to number 1. As if he needs more stuff. <laughs> like he holds that record. Save some for the rest of us. He's obscenely rich. <laughs> he's like a gifted artist. Look, he's done good. He's yeah, done a good career. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kat, I don't think we, I don't think it's going to be like a huge shock to anyone. But like, what what are your conclusions on this album? Yeah, I love it. I really like it. Um, but like in my research, I've gotten the feeling that at the time, or maybe just in the subsequent decade since this has been released, Herb Alpert has been seen as being a bit daggy mm. like his music was cheesy maybe without substance and the like the hip happening people of that time were more likely to enjoy say Jimi hendrix or rolling stones or something like that sure it's like it feels like sort of middle class middle age middle of the road kind yeah. of thing but even though like lots of people thought it was cheesy and daggy and a bit lame to me listening to it for the first time in 2022 I freaking enjoyed it. Like, I really, really liked it. I think Herb Alpert has achieved a somewhat rare feat of creating a significant number of instrumental hits because he's a talented musician. He's a talented musician. He's created songs that are both easy to bop along to and also complex enough to keep your interest. I, I feel exactly the same way. Like, it's it feels cool and sophisticated, but somehow comical and ridiculous at the same time. I'm not sure how that works, but I think that there's like a knowing wink to it all. I think best word to describe it all um, is as playful. Playful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think maybe I do have a little bit of bias. I do have a soft spot for brass. 
Okay. And I think yeah. you must as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Having yeah. Um, a brass band perform at your wedding reception called yes, the Brass Holes. That's right, the Brass Holes. <laughs> <laughs> they were a fantastic band. That was for excellent, our actually, at your reception. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think this record sold millions of copies for a reason. It's just toe tappingly good. Yes. Yeah, I reckon popping this record on as I do household chores is going to uh-huh. make that awful you know, job a lot more <laughs> easy to do. Well, I saw a lot of, um, you know, comments under the YouTube videos with people saying, oh, my God, this record is my childhood. Every time my parents had a party, they'd put it on. Yeah. And that's what it feels like to me. It's like cool um, cocktail party. Like it makes me want to drink a cocktail with a man's name, <laughs> like a Tom, <laughs> Tom Collins <laughs> <laughs> or an, uh, an Arnold Palmer. Like I don't what know what do, those are. But <laughs> what do you think a Herb Alpert would be? Um, well, it definitely had whipped cream on the top. <laughs> whipped cream on top. Um, uh, like what's a Mexican? Hang on, what's the list? Like okay, this is tequila. your ingredient. okay. This is your recipe. Okay, right? um, for a Herb Alpert cocktail. So I think I think it's got to start. You with start tequila. with a taste of honey. Well, so tequila with a taste of honey on top. Yeah. Add some green peppers. Yeah, there's lemon tree. Yeah, some lemons yes. would go well with that. And tangerine. Uh-huh. Um, bittersweet, so you've got some bitters. Bitters. Dash of bitters. On, yeah, yeah, bittersweet samba. Yeah. Um, you've got some love potion number nine, so slip a Mickey in there. <laughs> <laughs> El Garbanzo, which is um, what we in Australia call chickpeas. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? Vegans use the aquafava from the um, chickpea tin, which is like the juice that the chickpeas yeah. are in for um a substitute for egg whites so if you want to whip oh. um you can whip that and it whips up just like egg whites oh, the foam so of if it. you want to make like a vegan chocolate mousse or something oh, or go. in cocktails you can yeah. actually use it as well so we use that we whip that up yeah another um, one is butterball once i had a buttered <laughs> old-fashioned oh yeah it was amazing yeah that's really i mean good. butter's good and everything isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um lady fingers um that's like a biscuit but maybe you just get a lady to stir it with her finger oh especially <laughs> if there's whipped cream on that finger on yeah you get dolores um what's her name Ek- 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 something yeah yeah to um stir it with her whipped cream love finger. it yeah. yes um, um crush some peanuts on top peanuts yeah you crush that around the rim mm-hmm. um lollipops and roses you serve it with lollipop and some whipped cream on top yeah Sounds and some rosemary as well delicious. that's actually i think we could make it work <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do before our next uh, next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, in conclusion, it's great. I love it. Um, listen to it while drinking a cocktail and eating a deviled egg. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we um, before we wrap up, Kat, I just yeah. this is like a little bonus. Um, so Herb didn't just you know finish with music in the sixties. He went on playing music and releasing albums um, well into the eighties. And I have to show you this song that he did a collaboration with Janet Jackson and another singer called Lisa Keith. Um, so this what? is at the time where Janet's on his label and he's, oh, um, yeah. you know, producing her. Yeah. It's at the peak of her fame too. Yeah. Um, and this song is called Making Love in the Rain. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Initially, disgusting. Well, let's have a listen. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, no, 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 no
if this isn't the most um, like 80s <laughs> smooth jazz song you've ever heard. I don't know what is. I feel like I'm in an apartment, um, like a, a penthouse apartment that um, has a lot of like pastel coloured furniture and chrome accents. It's very specific, but yes, <laughs> it's also spot on. And that's Jan Jackson singing. I think if I didn't know that, I wouldn't have picked it. No, no, it's very um, dialed back. Yeah. Her, vo- her vocal. Um, and yeah, and a very reverby 80s trumpet. But Kat, I don't know, um, like, call me a vanilla prude, but um, the idea of making love in the rain, it's not on my bucket list. We had some pretty heavy rainfall here in the last week, uh, which resulted It'd in a lot cold. of It'd be cold. It'd be unpleasant. And, yeah, it's like the eating. idea of having sex on the beach. Like, I don't want to stand up there. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. Let's go pick a muddy puddle outside, baby. And yeah, give me a bed. Down. I'm fine with a bed. <laughs> what does no one sing about making love in a bed? <laughs> Make love in the bed, under the doona, with the yeah. lights off. Lights off. <laughs> now that's sexy. Anyway, that's what Herb, um, you know, went on to do in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I like it as much as whipped cream and other delights, but, you know. Horses for courses. Look, we can't go without asking the very important question. Is this going to make your collection cat? Yeah, I'm going to keep it. 100%. Hundo. Hundo P. <laughs> Gross. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And what would you, what, what do you think this album's worth? What would you pay for it? I reckon if you could find a copy in slightly better, better nick than this, like maybe like very good condition, 20 bucks is reasonable. Yeah. It's that good. I think it's a, yeah, it's an iconic classic. Yeah. And I think that you it should, should be in every, every record collection. It's good. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of $1 Vinyl. We hope that you have some luck looking for $1 Vinyls this week. Um, write in and tell us what, you know, what have you found? Like what's good? What should we listen to? I want to know what's in your collection of cheap records. If you like this show, please share this episode with a friend. We'd love to share the love. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, um, or you can email us at onedollarvinyl at gmail.com. Next week, we are going to have a listen to the voices that have annoyed parents for generations. (laughs) We're going to do a Chipmunks record, so stay tuned for that. But until then, as Herb Albert famously says... He doesn't say anything. It's an instrumental. (laughs) Says with his trumpet. Yeah. (laughs) All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.